How we doing traders? Welcome back to Stock Market Movers where we get you all the market moving headlines and of course get to the expert opinion. That's what this show's about trying to keep you guys in the perspective and giving you the competitive advantage of course where you don't get to hear the perspective of these major analysts. Right here is the show where it gives you the information to stay in the edge. Let's talk about today's topics. We got a great show, like always. We're going to get into a couple of great topics. Let me just fix my banner right quick there. There we go. So we got Goldman Sachs. We'll talk about the Bank of Canada. Mortgage rates falling. Earning stocks. We got Microsoft, Alphabet. Boeing, Chipotle, Kraft Heinz, Visa, Spotify, Enphase Energy, Hilton, and more. All for you, jam-packed in one hour. Like always, that's what this show is about. We're going to get into our expert opinions that will be coming up. And today, we got two great guests. Excited to have them on at 1.15. We got Josh Saylor, partner and co-founder of Blue Zone Wealth Advisors. And then a little bit later at 1.45, we'll be joined by Jason Brown stock market coach and option trader. Excited to hear about Jason Brown, how he trades. And of course, with Josh, we will get into a great question today. Our question of the day today is going to be all about what's going on in this rally. So we're going to play a little game when we get towards our guests. We're going to play fill in the blank. Feel free to join us, team. You guys out there, you can throw it up in the chat how you guys feel and what we'll be talking about is why blank is needed to keep this market rally going. Let's get stock market movers started. There are three ways to make a living in this business. Be first, be smarter, or cheat. I can't help you cheat, but I can give you the informational edge to help you succeed in the markets. Welcome to Stock Market Movers all the market moving headlines and expert opinions every day they say money is the oxygen of capitalism and i want to breathe more than any man alive all right traders what's going on right now it looks like the markets are holding on i'll to go ahead and i'll bring you that and it looks like we at least got a little bit of a turnaround it's been a tough day I will say that um, I did not expect to see us up that high. I did say that maybe we could get towards the 386. So up, we got towards 387.50, then started turning around. Now we're back below the VWAP. The question is, will we close the day into the red or will we close green? I'll throw that out for you guys in the chat. If you guys feel that we're going to get a green close, go ahead and throw up a one. And if you feel that we're going to get a red close, go ahead and throw up a two. We'll see what happens and what your opinion is on that. But let's get to the markets. Um, let's talk about what's going on right now. Looks like uh, there was some talk yesterday from Goldman Sachs CEO uh, David Solomon talking about tightening meaningful from here. Um, so he predicted that the Fed would continue raising interest rates until they've reached 4.5% or 4.75%. And so what is this all about, right? Well, this is all about the pace that they've been raising and where will the benchmark end at the year? Right now, traders are looking at 
a 50 basis point hike in December. And that's why you saw a lot of stocks kind of getting a little bit of a push, right? We got this report from the Wall Street Journal last week on Friday. Mary Daly, uh, Fed president, of course, went and kind of gave this a little bit of a boost with her talk, of course, that we got to take a look at the pace of rate. And it looks like, you know, Goldman Sachs, uh, David Solomon, thinking that we still reach 4.5 to 4.75 before pausing. Okay, so he also gave some other news and he also gave some other comments on recession. He said, so I, too, am in the camp that we likely have a recession in the U.S. I think most likely that we might be in a recession in Europe. So until we get to the point where you see a change, whether it's in the labor and uh, whether it's in the labor, the demand side, you're going to see the central banks continue to move on that trajectory. Um, one thing that he also stated was that he expects the consumers' extra cash flow, those savings, to be starting to dry up by next year, mid-year. And so uh, definitely the outlook from some of these major bank CEOs are definitely pointing to continued downside. That's why a little part of me doesn't feel too confident about this rally. But let's talk about some other comments that came out today. We also got, of course, the Bank of Canada. It raised by 50 basis points Thursday instead of the 75 basis points, which was expected by many in the markets. So it looks like that helped the rally today, especially in the intraday action, started getting a higher spike. But is this really something that's going to hold the markets? Well, we'll ask about this with our guest coming up in a little bit, Josh Saylor. We'll see what he has to think. Let's keep moving into the market today. There's so many headlines and, of course, a lot of earning stocks to report. So I'm going to try to do my best to get to as many as possible. You guys in the chat, let me know if there was a major earnings report or maybe any earnings report that caught your attention. And I'll make sure that we cover it in the one hour show. Let's keep going. Let's take a look at the first stock we're going to talk about. Of course, uh, caught a lot of people by surprise. Let's talk about Microsoft. Um, let's take a look how it's trading on the intraday action. You guys can see it here on the 15 minute. We'll see if it can continue making moves uh, towards the 239. Uh, it did bounce this morning, right? I was looking to see if we were ever going to take out those lows. We got really close to it, but then reverse right into the intraday action. 10 a.m. reversal, kind of classic there. Um, now we'll see towards the end of the day, do we get back down towards those lows? Today, low, I have at 230.17. The after hours action went to 230.34. So you can see we wick there. We'll see if we come back to those levels. Microsoft earnings coming in here at $2.35, beating the $2.32 estimate. Sales at $50.1 billion, beating the $49.84 billion estimate. Revenue of Microsoft Cloud segment was at $25.7 billion in the first quarter, up 24% year over year. More personal computing slowed down in the quarter, slightly missing the expectation. Xbox revenue down 3% year over year. Azure revenue grew 35% in the quarter. Microsoft said compared to 40% in growth in the previous quarter. And Windows OEM revenue down 15% year over year. Let's keep going. It's one thing to keep watch, of course, that Azure, um, we're keeping close watch how the cloud 
computing area is going. That's what I was keeping a close watch. And of course, we're going to talk about Alphabet coming up here. But I think this is another thing to keep watch as we keep going further into the earnings report. Of course, Meta is going to be reporting tonight. That's going to be another shakeup. We need to watch how their ad spending is going. Um, but let's go towards Alphabet here. Alphabet, of course, we can just take a look at Google or Google, whichever one you want to take a look at. I'm going to I'm going to do Google here. We'll see if this can get through the lows. We did crack right out the gates. We're going down towards a new low. Went down to 95.37. Right now we're trading around 97.12. Let's talk about their earnings. Their EPS coming in here at a dollar six, missing the dollar twenty-seven estimate. 69.9 billion missing the 70.91 billion estimate. Alphabet did say Q3 Google search and other revenues at 39.539 billion. Google Cloud revenue at 6.868 billion. And then Alphabet's total quarterly revenue growth getting crushed here from 41% down to 6%. YouTube ad revenue at 7.071 billion. And this is the first time since Google started reporting the YouTube segment that it is declining. So definitely something to keep a watch to see how the advertising is, right? And that's one thing that can tell me right off the bat, maybe we'll see Meta also take a hit on their advertising as you're seeing the YouTube ad revenue start declining, right? This is a trend that we're going to go ahead and keep our eyes to because I feel like Meta really started seeing the writing on the wall but we won't talk too much about Meta as they report tonight and things can always shake up. Let's continue going to the next report that definitely shook up. And I will say full disclosure, man, I got stopped out on that, on this trade right here, Boeing today. Um, and I was shorting it. So uh, not really a good execution on my end, but Hey, that little spike did not expect it getting through that 149 price point. There was a lot of rejection over here in the 148.85 range. Eventually, I got out of this when I started seeing the spy spike. Uh, but let's talk about Boeing here. Their EPS came in at a loss of six dollars and eighteen cents. Uh, not comparable, of course, to the seven cent estimate. But of course, why was this? Why did this happen? Well, it happened because of reported charges in the KC-46 tanker and Air Force One programs. A $3.3 billion quarterly loss there definitely did not help. Sales, though, uh, missing here at $15.96 billion, missing the $17.83 billion estimate, also not helping. And then out of nowhere, boom, big candle came in, and now it's just been on a slow leak down. Would have not been a bad trade at all, but hey, that's how it is sometimes. Even though you could have the right outlook, it's all about execution, right? If you can, you can have the best plan, but if you can't follow it or execute it properly, well, a lot of times we're going to end up into the red, but let's keep going. Let's go to the next stock, uh, Chipotle, as we keep going in about one minute. We'll get into our first interview. Let's keep moving. Chipotle, let's take a look here, uh, a stock that I've been – I've been bearish Chipotle for so long, but I, I've, I've talked about this on the show before. I've always been wrong. I mean, look at the daily chart. I mean, take a look how far back this has been kind of gaining uh, market share. And I mean, look at that. I mean, 2018, this was like 300. This went to a high in the pandemic towards 1940s. I mean, 
It's been a crazy run there for Chipotle. Definitely hanging on right now. Let's go towards the daily chart. Daily chart looks like it's starting to try to break back down towards the 200-day moving average. That's where I'll first see it look to try to get some support, let's say towards 14.85, but we'll have to keep watch. Let's look at their earnings here. Adjusted EPS coming in at $9.51, beating the $9.16 estimate. Sales at $2.22 billion, missing the $2.23 billion estimate. Chipotle says that they experienced minimal resistance to their price increase in Q3. Um, they also said that they were seeing trends that certain income levels were not coming back as frequent to the restaurant, of course. And then now they're saying that higher income households are actually increasing in frequency. So something to keep in watch. We'll see what happens in Chipotle. Can they continue to make their guac? And you, you can see it. Seems like they're making their guac right now. Uh, a beating on the EPS, a miss on the sales, but just slightly miss, right? It wasn't too far off. And it looks like they're being able to pass down their increases in the food costs, of course, down to the consumer with that minimal resistance in the price increases. All right, that's going to do it for Chipotle. We'll talk about some other earning stocks coming up after our first interview. We got Kraft Heinz, Visa, Spotify, Enphase, Hilton, Thermo, Skechers, Texas. There's a lot on the plate today. We'll get into that in just a few minutes. Let's go towards our first interview today. Excited to get to talking to Josh Saylor, partner and co-founder of Blue Zone Wealth Advisors. Let's get right to our first guest. All right, let's bring on Josh here. How are we doing today? Hanging in there. Glad to be hanging back. in there, indeed. I feel like this is a type of market that I think everybody's just trying to hang in there. Um, but let's talk about this market right now. It looks like we're right in the thick of earnings season, really started to get the boat moving, as they said. And that really came in with overnight action from, of course, Microsoft and Google. How do you feel that it's weighing on the market so far? I mean, those are two companies that, as you know, and aptly stated, you know, in your analysis, which I thought was awesome just watching, uh, you know, those are two bellwethers, right? They're great indicators of flows of goods and services, as well as advertising, which, as we now know, is one of the first things to go, i.e. take a look at what has happened with Snap over the last two quarters. Um, so they're, I mean, they're, they're canaries in the coal mine in terms of like what on the macro level we really, the Fed really wanted to start seeing, which is demand destruction. Ad budgets getting destroyed means less dollars out of consumer pockets. Definitely. Now, one thing that we're definitely seeing is the market. It seems like we're in a rally right now, even though it could be maybe that the Fed is in a quiet period. But what do you think is driving the market? Is it all earnings or is it a combination of some things? Yeah, I think it's a combination of, of a few things. Uh, earnings being a little overly optimistic, probably. Uh, I think the thing that needs to get reconciled here is, is what people are willing to pay for slower growth than what we saw over the last two years. And so really, I mean, we're just retracing early pandemic quarters and pre-pandemic quarters in terms of valuation. The thing that's changed, though, is the outlook, right? And that's really what we're 
what we're focusing on moreover is guidance, uh, not only in the next quarter, but future quarters. And right now that's kind of the most uncertain thing. So to answer your question directly, I think other things that have been moving the markets are yields coming in slightly, uh, as well as the dollar weakening a little bit. And this still chatter around, you know, other banks easing or potentially pivoting their rate hike programs, which I don't think the U.S. is in a position to do. Yeah, I think that's really the question that we have to start asking ourselves if we're wondering where the market ends up in the year, what will the Fed do, right? I mean, there's the outlook right now that they could pivot a little bit or I wouldn't say really use the word pivot, but slow down the pace of hikes. Do you feel this is an actual narrative that we can stick onto right now as investors? Or do you feel like this is just kind of hopium in the markets? Yeah, I think it's hope. Um, I, I think it's people wanting the market to do what they think they want it to do uh, and sort of missing some of the reality of the fact that we're really just starting to see the flow through of what the Fed hiking program started in six months, just six months ago. Uh, so with three more expected hikes, as well as lower growth expectations and what we expect to see, which is continued lower growth revisions after this next earnings round, you know, you couple that with the three month over the 10 year inversion, uh, which happened yesterday, and it seems to be sustaining through today. That's that's kind of all you need to be looking at to, to, to say that over the short term, things look pretty sanguine. And the only thing that's really going to, I think, change that is something breaking, right? I mean, even any good news that we get out of earnings is just more of the good news is bad news type of a deal. You might get some short run spurts here, like we've seen in the past couple of days. Uh, but ultimately, the program is still in place. The damage has been done and the hiking program is not done yet. Um, so I, I think that there's some still, still some reality that needs to set in. All right, let's have fun a little bit here. Let's play a little fill in the blank. Okay, <laughs> so why blank is needed to keep this rally going? Why blank is needed to keep this rally going? I mean, Fed pivot is the only thing that keeps There this you rally. go. We got something to fill in, right? I mean, that that could keep that could definitely keep the rally going, right? Any any mention there, uh, of course. And what would you look to hear from maybe the FOMC meeting next week that could really show us that this rally has some legs? I mean, I, I think that we kind of want to decouple what the market's doing from what the Fed decision is going to do. It's mostly around where CPI is going to come in. I think it's funny because you're we're in a bar personally believe we're in a bear market rally right now. And some of the biggest up days happen during extended bear market periods, which the bear market in tech kind of started almost a year ago now. So I ultimately, I think what, what our eyes are on is how they're reading the data and what guidance they're going to provide. But we don't see inflation necessarily rolling over in the way that people might hope, even though people have started to say, oh, it's peaked out. That doesn't mean that it can't be sustainable or continue to be sticky, which is what they're exactly trying to avoid is prolonged inflation and the inability for them to get control over, um, over prices. Uh, that's why they have to keep going. And we're at a different place than other um, 
you know, than international and as opposed to England and Canada who are taking it a little bit easier, we have a little bit more resilience. We might be able to take it, but the problem is, is that they're not willing to take that risk. One more for you. Blank could spook this market. Hmm. Uh, what could spook us? What could spook this market? What could bring us down another leg? Li liquidity issues, right? So if, if if we see any sort of challenge to the treasury market and, you know, Janet, Janet Yellen has come out and, and started talking about uh, open market maneuvers where banks are required to hold more than the restrictions that are already on the books. You don't do that when times are perfect, right? You, yeah. you don't come out and say, hey, we need to take preemptive measures. Um, so continued conversation around that, um, how banks need to be able to perform, that's going to be a big deal. I can yeah. That. Or a higher yeah. than 75 basis point rate hike. Yeah. Omar said, give us that full one point. And yeah, definitely that, that would spook the markets for sure. Now let's take a look just overall the outlook right now. Do you feel that this is kind of really starting? What are the stocks that are starting to move here? Um, because if we've been taking a look, we've been seeing a little bit kind of these lower PEs start moving up, healthcare. What are you seeing out in the markets? I mean, if I was going to try to break it down by sector, which again, you know, we don't necessarily think about the market that way, but I think it's interesting in terms of answering your question. I think the rallies of some of the stuff that you're seeing is mostly in the defensive posture, right? Things like healthcare um, and consumer discretionary people trying to buy into that trade because they feel like they need to do something with their money. But I don't know, again, the three month over the 10 year is kind of the nail in the coffin, which almost says like we're either on the precipice of a recession or we're already in one. And when that happens, the uncertainty around how deep and long that goes, considering we're still hiking. So hiking into a recession, I don't see anything doing extraordinarily well uh, during that period. Um, big question mark around energy as well. So we'll see how that goes throughout the winter. Any expectations on any of the big boys like Meta or Apple coming up? Any thoughts on those earnings? I don't expect it to be good. I think it looks a lot like, you know, um, Google and Alphabet. I mean, they're, they're, we're talking about the generals now and they're mm -hmm. usually the last to go. Take a look at all of the other growth names that really started selling off when interest rate hikes became a huge hangover for them. Uh, I, I think they're next. And so when those go, you're kind of seeing what happens a little bit today when Google and Alphabet can't pick up those numbers, the NASDAQ's gonna go down. And the NASDAQ's not exactly telling the whole story of what the average stock is actually trading at in terms of a multiple, but those things need to roll over for people to wake up to the fact that we're, we're not gonna hit these growth numbers even at lower expectations. So, of course, a, a lot of investors are going to be looking for areas and how they can adjust their portfolios, right? I mean, I, I can think back and there's so many people that I used to talk to that were, you know, 40, even close to 50% in technology. And what are some ways that uh, investors can be looking to rebalance their portfolios to try to make them a little bit more balanced in this environment? Yeah. And it, it's not to say that we're bearish on tech in general. I mean, if, you talked about cloud just previously. It's a secular trend that we don't think is necessarily slowing. It's just we're in a repricing situation where the growth of that trend is compressing because of the macro situation that we're in. That doesn't mean in five years that it's not going to continue its growth trajectory or even sooner than that once we kind of come out on the other side of this. Um, 
you know, but the idea being in terms of rebalancing the portfolio, when you start to see rips like this, we're taking a look at potentially adding to a hedge, right? We've done that for, for a handful of clients. We've already been hedged since about April. Um, taking the opportunity to potentially sell into some of these rips if there are any capital losses or capital gains that you are looking to try to trade hands with. Um, add a little bit more to cash just because we think valuations have to come in further for them to appropriately price in the growth outlook for the next 12 months. Any thoughts on bonds? I've been taking a look at maybe even like some high yield bonds if we're really going to get a turnaround here. What do you think? Yeah, high yields an interesting space. It's starting to become more attractive on a real basis. The spreads just aren't there yet, especially because defaults and things of that nature are some of the things that you start to really see trickle through on the maybe second half of a recession. Now, not every recession is, is built equal and they 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 rhyme, you know, they don't repeat. Um, but high yield is starting to look interesting. You just got to be very careful about the credits that you're picking up. Investment grade is looking very attractive, provided you know, it sort of meets your hurdle rate. Uh, we think that the go forward rates of return expected rates on equities as we move through the recession are going to be a lot more attractive than investment grade. But if you're someone that needs income out of the portfolio, you can start buying investment grade credits and holding for two years and you're right, in, right inside that three to five year um, maturity space, because we think that, that that's the area of the, of the yield curve that's going to hold up pretty well. Well, thank you, like always, for joining me here. Josh Saylor, partner and co-founder of Blue Zone Wealth Advisors. We'll definitely have you back on and we'll see. We'll see if uh, maybe the markets get spooked or maybe the rally keeps going. Appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for having me. All right, let's continue going. We got some more headlines to get to, a lot of earnings stocks to go to. I could stay talking about the Fed talk because I'm sure you guys are like me. We're always talking about the markets, but let's get right towards these earnings. We still got a lot to go through. It's about 128. We still got a little bit towards our next interview that's going to be coming up in about 17 minutes, but stick around. I'm excited to talk to Jason Brown at 145, stock market coach and options trading uh, expert. So if you guys are into options, stick around. It's going to be some fun talk coming up. Let's go towards the next earnings stock. Now I'm going to go ahead and start going through. And, and I'm going to try to run through these so that we can take a look at what's really moving today and what isn't, right? So let's go towards the next one here. We already did uh, Chipotle. Let's go to Kraft Heinz. All right. KHC, you guys can check it out. Also, let's keep going. Let's take a look. How's it trading on the intraday? Looks like it got that pop in the morning. And then that faded right back down. Of course, this is kind of a packaged food name, uh, defensive name. Thought that this would get some lift today, but did not. EPS coming in at 63 cents, beating the 57 cent estimate. Sales at 6.5 billion, beating the 6.27 billion estimate. Kraft Heinz did reaffirm their full year 22 organic net sale growth of high single digit percentage. Um, one to keep watch. We'll see what happens with uh, these uh, kind of stocks. We were seeing a lot of these kind of make big up moves, big down moves. The volatility is definitely there. Um, I've been looking at, you know, like defensive names like PG starting to make their way back. And so I'd keep these on my radar, but I haven't seen them really start pushing back. One that was, you know, holding up for a longer period was this uh, Colgate Palmolive. 
And we'll see if this really starts moving back, but at least hanging on. That's one thing that I would say about these defensive names, right? They hang on in tough environments. Hasn't really gotten crushed since, I mean, this has been kind of in a sideways trend since about 2019. So if you think about it, at least these are names where you could hide, but there's not much to the upside either. We'll see what happens here in Kraft Heinz. Let's keep going. Let's go to the next one, Visa. Visa is one that, uh, of course, we've been looking at. We compare it with kind of MasterCard. Look at the daily chart on this one. Really getting off the ground. It was around the 178, trying to break through uh, September lows here of 174.83. Turned back around, now back above this 50-day and almost to the 200-day. Just showing us that you really are starting to get back towards the trend there on Visa. Weekly chart has kind of a trend line that I'd keep watch. Right, you can keep watch to see if you can get back above here, going towards the 215, 220s. That's what you kind of need to see. And for pullbacks, we can kind of take a look here, coming back here towards right below the 200 mark. That's kind of the levels that I would be looking. Really wanted to hold around 195 if I'm bullish on this chart. We'll see what happens on Visa. Spotify, let's keep it going here. Spotify coming in here, and of course, uh, getting hit hard. I think. One of the uh, reasons why Spotify was getting hit is that you could see in kind of their earnings report that they're in a battle with Apple even. Um, but let's talk about their earnings here. EPS coming in at a loss of $1, missing the loss of $0.86 cent estimate. Sales at $3.04 billion, beating the $2.92 billion estimate. Total monthly active users of $456 million, up 20% year over year. Uh, Reuters did report that CEO Daniel X said that price increase is something we would like to do. So keep in mind, maybe it was price increase that was really hitting Spotify today. And you can see it. It's down there towards 85.15. We'll see what happens on this one. Will it come back here for this October low of the 13th? 78.50. And if you look back here, you just really not much price action in this area Spotify actually IPO'd at 165.90, and look where it's at now. It's below those levels, so we'll see when Spotify can make its way back. All right, getting out of Spotify, going to try to keep things rolling here. We're about 133, trying to get these all done before 140. Let's see if we can do that. I think we can get there. Let's go to the next one, Enphase Energy. Of course, Enphase Energy is ENPH. You guys can take a look. It made a run there towards 300. We were looking for this to fill the gap for a long time. Uh, we updated this on September 29th, but really we've been watching this. We were watching this since early August. August 19th is when we created that shadow zone. It ended up filling in and coming down to the next support. Then we push back here now will we actually get through this support you can see that there was some resistance around this uh 283 level now we're moving towards a 292 really want to see it close back towards uh 300 to show me that it wants to continue the strength but not a bad day overall it got to that 300 rejecting the hold above there so just keep in mind that that is rejecting that right now on the 15 minute you can see a lot of topping action going into Looks like into the 303 30s or 304 area. Um, but the VWAP right now towards 294. Let's see if that actually holds here. And if Enphase can close into the green, 
with their earnings report, adjusted EPS at $1.25, beating the $1.08 estimate. Sales at $634.71 million, beating the $610.65 million estimate. They raise guidance. They see Q4 revenue to $680 million and a high end of $720 versus $660.21 million estimate. Let's keep it going. Let's go to Hilton now as we take a look into uh, traveling stocks. Of course, uh, Hilton has been hanging in there and it really hasn't taken the hit in the recession. I mean, overall, let's take a look at their numbers here. EPS at $1.31, beating the $1.24 estimate sales at $2.37 uh, billion, missing the $2.44 billion estimate. Hilton does see full year adjusted EPS at $4.46, high end of $4.50. 54 cents versus four dollars and 41 cents so definitely at least raising that adjusted eps giving us a better outlook moving forward and that's for the full year 22 it's hanging on right now keep your eyes on hilton to see if it can close back towards the high back towards 133 you're not looking too bad on the daily really need to get back above this 200 day moving average if not i feel like we keep topping around here and we could start coming back down. You can see this topping action. We're trying to break out of it right now, but really need to close back towards that 200-day, 135.79. If not, you could be coming back down towards the 128s. We'll see what happens. At least this one does have the 50-day below it, and so that shows us that it is trying to get a curve into the bullish sense. We'll see what happens there. All right, that's Hilton Worldwide Holdings. Let's keep going. We got about two more that I want to touch, and then we can get into what was hot and what was not. We got about four minutes, so I think we'll make it there. Let's get through it. Uh, Thermo Fisher is the next one, TMO. Not too many people cover this one, but it did get hit this morning. Bounced towards, of course, yesterday's closing price. My guy, uh, Joel Alconin, would be happy to hear me talk about that today. And you can see the closing price was fit. Uh, 514.62, right? And so, um, actually, that's it's right here. It's uh, 514.95. Um, so right around that level, we were starting to hold as resistance, and then we start rejecting it right now. And you can see that the VWAP is very high up here, close towards the price. We'll see if this comes back and takes out the low of 500. Thermo Fisher, and this is a diagnostics and research stock. This was an area that was getting hit hard. Uh, just a few uh, while ago on Monday, actually, it was getting hit, but found the bounce. EPS at $5.08, beating the $4.82 uh, estimate. Sales at $10.68 billion, beating the $9.92 billion estimate. Thermo Fisher won the watch for a turnaround. Needs to get back above $5.20. Right now, it looks like it wants to come right back towards $500. Not too bullish on this chart, even though I like the healthcare sector. It's not really one that I'm looking at. All right, last one I'll give is Skechers. Skechers, the reason why I'm going to bring up Skechers is if you could have had some edge just watching stock market movers. Of course, we had Spruce Points Capital, Ben Axler on earlier, talking about specifically even this earnings report. He was pointing towards the downside, expected them to lower their guidance, and they came in with it, right? That's exactly what happened here. Let's talk about that. Skechers uh, coming in here at an EPS, 55 cents, missing the 73 cent estimate. Sales at 1.88 billion, 
beating the 1.81 billion estimate. They lowered their guidance, though, sees Q4 sales of 1.725 billion to 1.775 billion on the high end versus, of course, the 1.79 billion estimates. So even on their high end outlook, they're not going to be able to reach that estimate. We'll see what happens there in Skechers. And it did get hit hard this morning, but of course, bounce back with the market. Will it get faded off into the close? One thing to keep on watch. All right, getting out of Skechers, it's time to get into what was hot and what was not. That's what I really like to get into, which is, of course, is a sector and industry analysis outlook. Let's go towards it. Uh, what is leading us on the day? Well, you guys can see here, healthcare. We've been talking about it here and with multiple guests just yesterday, right? We had uh, Orton talking from Raymond James, talking about his favorite sector was healthcare. Well, you can see maybe why as you're seeing the continued lift here in healthcare, and it's something to keep a watch. We'll see how these kind of keep performing. Um, definitely uh, one of the areas that you guys can look at today, you're seeing biotechs up big. I was wondering to look at these uh, major drug manufacturers because these are really starting to push. We can take a look GSK, Merck continuing, J&J. &J. This is one that I was watching to see if it could get through that Monday high of 172.08. It seems like we're holding right around that 172 area as support. That's a good outlook for it to keep going. We'll see if Johnson & Johnson can close towards 172.50. All right, we'll keep going. Energy behind that, of course, oil hanging in there. Not looking too bad. Let's take a look at some of the major ones like XOM. You can see it got to a high of 107.75. Oil continuing to kind of push. I would like to take a look at WTI right quick. I haven't taken a look at it today. So let me just do a little peek here. Looks like we're at 87.75. Got even to 88 today. And so we've been looking to see if we're ever going to get in the 90 handle. That's the important area. That's where they wanted to get it back. OPEC plus. They wanted to get it back to above that 90, maybe between 90 and 100. We can find some stability there. And of course, there is where I think OPEC plus wants it above 90s. It's trying to make its way. It's up about 2.47 uh, dollars. Uh, so the actual amount, but 2.89% on the front month for WTI. We'll see if this can keep some of these oil stocks moving. Chevron has been a strong one this week. Look how that continued. Even was strong yesterday when XOM was kind of turning around. Now it's trying to get towards that uh, all-time, at least the 52-week high of June 8th of 182.40. Got to a high today of 178.48. We'll see if it gets there. Oxy, of course, uh, the Warren Buffett favorite. Everyone's been kind of following along with this trade. Not looking too bad up there towards a high of 73.29. Will it come back for these highs to the left? That's what we're really starting to get after. First one I would watch for is 74.04. Then we'd be getting towards 77.13s. Can Occidental Petroleum keep running? All right, so let's take a look at what is down uh, on the day. So overall, technology is down. But from the open, it's actually still up. And I think that's an important thing to kind of keep your eyes to, right? Sometimes the sector overall could be down, but from the open, it actually starts pushing up. This is an important thing I feel to catch 
because it definitely helps you go ahead and catch some stocks that might have been beaten down in the pre-market, but bouncing back right at the open. And I think that's an important thing to catch, right? And I think like one area that I, I did catch, Oracle, look at this one. This one was a little bit of a sneaky one. It was actually red in the pre-market, but from the open, this is one of the leading stocks. It's up about 3.51%. Really strong trend towards the upside here in Oracle. And it's one that is on my radar. Look how it's been bottoming and really pushing back towards the 200-day. You're already back there. And it was down about 20% away from that just about 14 days or two weeks ago. So it looks like Oracle definitely coming back with Oracle coming back, we got to keep on watch on maybe Adobe, right? Adobe, a relationship play. Well, this has been making its way back. Will it start trying to fill some of this gap? Of course, I think what's going to matter on this is going to be some earnings to come into play. But big gap zone to the left. We'll see if Adobe can make up some of that gap. All right, let's keep going. We're about to get towards our interview in about two minutes uh, let's go towards an, another area that's having a good day, which is consumer cyclical. So let's take a look at what is making moves here. Recreational vehicles. Look at Harley Davidson with an 11.53% move. What could be moving Harley so much? Well, it's the earnings. Let's talk about those earnings. I do have that one as one of the extra ones I had at the bottom. There's so many earnings out, but let's talk about that. EPS coming in here at $1.78, beating the $1.41 estimate. Sales at $1.44 billion, beating the $1.37 billion estimate. So Harley getting that nice lift there towards 42. We got towards 42.37. Uh, 42.37. So really good day there for Harley Davidson. But does this mean that I'm completely bullish on Harley Davidson? I can tell you right now, the charts don't look bad, but the story overall in my eyes um, with recession coming and of course the interest rates as high as they are for anybody trying to borrow money to get one of these Harley Davidsons, I just don't know. I, I, I don't like the stock in the long run because of recession concerns, but I can tell you right now, at least the chart doesn't look too bad. Overall, if you can get back towards the 44s, 46, it's going to be looking pretty bullish for a run to 50, but a really great day today, 11.58%. Some other plays here, of course, you guys can keep watch. We'll see what happens with these. Can they continue to lift or is it kind of more of a just two-day rally off the bottom? All right, getting out of what was hot and what was not. Of course, I could talk about sector and industry analysis all day long because that's really truly where I try to find my edge. And the reason why is I'm just looking for the rotation. Rotation, rotation, station, right? I mean, sometimes you're going to see things like right now where you're getting utilities to really sell off and a lot of healthcare getting some lift. So maybe we're seeing some rotation getting out of the safety trade on the utilities for their dividends and rotating towards those healthcare names that have some low PE. Well, we'll talk a little bit about this coming up. Let's get towards our interview today, our second one on the day. Excited to get into it here with Jason Brown, stock market coach and options trader. Let's get right to our second interview.
All right, let's bring on Jason Brown here today. How are we doing? Fantastic. How are you doing? It's good to bring you on the show. And one of the things that I always like to do is talk to traders. You can't go wrong, right? That's really what I do at the end of the day. I try to, you know, do some market coverage. But at the end of the day, I'm just a trader like everybody trying to make a little bit of a buck every now and then can't go wrong. So first, I want to know a little bit more about you, Jason Brown. What got you started into trading and how did it all begin? Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me on. And um, it's super here because we're local in Detroit, so I'm a Detroit native. And what got me started in the stock market, the, the story goes way back to when I was like 18. I took like $2,000 to the bank and said, I want to invest. Girl asked me why. I said, because I want to be rich. Why else do people do this? And uh, so she said, you want aggressive funds? I said, sure. Uh, gave her 2000 Came back two years later. It was basically down to 700 um, so they lost $1,300. And it was at that moment that I realized I could have lost my own money. And so I took the 700 bucks and I started to trade or invest it myself. And what I realized was a lot of the good companies costed more money than the five to 700 I had. And that's really where I discovered options and learned how to control the companies versus owning the companies. And I was able to, at that time, I was going to school at Wayne State. I had a scholarship and I had a student loan that I applied for. The student loan paid, uh, double paid the account. I got a refund. I actually took 10000 put it in the market and grew it to over 120000 as a 21-year-old college student. That really began my journey and career into options trading. Yeah, definitely, Jason. Uh, one of the things that I would say is we got to get you down to the office, Benzinga's office in downtown Detroit gonna have to reach out to you maybe bring you down check out the office give you a little tour right i don't think it's a bad thing well i'll have yeah. someone reach out to you jason it sounds like a fun time now of course when we all first start trading we all make mistakes so what were the first what were the top mistakes that you learned after starting trading i say one of the one of the first mistakes is probably why we created the saying that you might see in my shirt and that is never go broke taking the profit and so mm. one of the things that most people do is they'll have a profit. It could be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50%. And I made this mistake early on as well. I'd be up, but I'd be like, how much more can I make? Instead of realizing, how about we take that profit and roll it into the next trade where we're playing with the market's money. And so overcoming fear and greed is one of the things that traders will have to master. But one of the best ways to master that is realizing that you never go broke taking a profit. And so once I got started to realize from any day that I'm up is a bet is a good day. And so take the money and run. And that's one of the first mistakes people make. They just they don't take the profit. And if I could slide in second mistake, they also don't cut their loss small or short. You know, they sit there hoping, praying that it goes back up if they're bullish or they hope it goes down if they're bearish and the stock's going against them. They need to take profit when they're up, but then more importantly, need to cut losses when they're short because it's the losses that'll blow up your account. You never will blow up your account making 10, 20, whatever the percentage is. It's always the losses that kill you. Definitely. And I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I'm sure you've heard and You've heard from plenty of people that have made a big gain, probably took some profit, right? But then also let a loser actually be bigger than that gain. And I think that that really, when it comes down to it, we learn really quickly, not the way to keep uh, an actual business outlook 
into trading, right? I remember the first time I got caught in a, a, a kind of a, a pump and dump type of thing and, and trading with chat rooms and trying to just, you know, drive into stocks because someone was buying it, right? Why not me? Well, I think these right. are common mistakes that a lot of traders make because they don't adjust to their own skills. How long would, did it take you, Jason, to really kind of learn and hone down your skills to the point where you could truly rely on your own ability? Yeah, the, the funny thing about investing in the stock market is I would say it only took maybe one to two years to actually learn the skill but it's been taking a lifetime to master myself because it's all the mindset, the emotional and mental things that go into trading that you're constantly battling. And you're also going to battle it at different points in your life, being married, having kids. Um, if you walk away from your job, I'm a full time investor as well as a stock market coach. And so at every stage of your life, you're going to have to battle the mindset piece. And so that's actually ongoing. It kind of never ends. But from a, a skill standpoint, I was really into math and numbers and then probability and statistics just made sense to me. Taking a calculated risk just made sense to me and went back to, you know, something as simple as trying to find girls in the club. I knew statistics. If I talked to 20 girls. Five are going to say no, five are going to have a boyfriend, 10 will be interested, another three will give me their phone number, and one and one number will be real, the other two will be fake. So, I mean, it's probability and statistics. So, that just made sense when it came to the stock market as well. And so, that part, you know, anywhere from six months to two years to master the technical aspects of the skill, but it's a lifetime managing fear, greed, your emotions taking a profit, cutting a small loss. That's just ongoing. Definitely. It looks like you learned the law of averages pretty early on. And I think it definitely plays into it. At the end of the day, we got to go after the mass and then we can go ahead and make the money. But I like what you're saying there about probability. Because really at the end of the day, I don't think anybody knows that they're going to be right on a trade, right? Just, there's just no impossible. It's impossible. That would mean that you could tell the future. So if you could do that, guys, please, I think call uh, myself and Jason because we would definitely appreciate it. But the truth yeah. is, the only thing we can do is set ourselves up. So how do you set yourself up in the probability to go ahead and get into the green? So one of the things that I do as well as teach is that you have to be able to read stock charts. So I was just listening in the green room while you were going through charts. You have to understand supply or support and resistance where people dump so supply and demand. You have to be able to understand that on the chart. Number one, once you understand support and resistance this is where people like it. And this is where people, you know, people meaning the traders or the market stock certainly. Now, just understanding those zones doesn't guarantee um, you're going to be right because it can break through resistance. It can break down below support. But the probability of it holding down at that level increases your chances of being right. And the probability of a stock selling off um, at resistance increases your chances of being right. So that puts the odds in your favor, number one. The second thing I would say is, you know, I try to take what's called a one to three risk reward ratio. So if I'm going to take a trade, I want to risk one dollar to make three. Oftentimes you see traders risking three dollars to make one. 
So when the trade goes against them, they lose 30% of their account versus losing 10% of their account. So you really want to be in a position where if I'm wrong, I'm wrong by $1. If I'm right, I'm right by $3. That allows me to be wrong, you know, a good nine more times before I lose 100% of my account. And if I can be right, you know, on the third time I break even, and then if I'm right again, boom, I'm back to the profit. So it's just understanding those type of ratios. And then the other thing that I believe everyone needs to do or understand to mitigate risk is understand that the market moves in three ways. It moves up, down, and sideways. Most people have one strategy, buy low, sell high. Now that is a strategy, but that's only 33% of the way that the market can move. So if you don't know how to make money the other 67% of the way that it can move, then what they're really saying is you have a 67% chance of failure and again, that doesn't put the odds in your favor. But if you add options into the mix or covered calls or puts, now you can have protection no matter which way the market moves. And again, just increasing the odds that you'll be a profitable trader. Definitely. We all need tools, right? I mean, at the end of the day, I learned very on early that uh, if you don't have the right tool for the job, then more than likely you're either going to suffer because you're going to have pain trying to do that job. Or you're going to run into walls and barriers because you're not using the right tool. I love how yeah, you're mentioning there the three types of movements also. Yeah. I mean, think about it like this, though, just to make it really practical to people, because they may be at different places in their investing and trading journey. I want them to just imagine that they can get in a car and it can only go forward. They didn't have reverse. They couldn't turn left. They couldn't turn right. And so that's how most people treat their investments. Like it can only go one way forward. It's like, what happens if they're doing construction and the roads close, right? What happened if Fed Powell is speaking on Friday, right? Like, it's just like, does it matter? We're going forward and, and, and that's it. And so you wouldn't get in a car and just be like, this is a great car. It can only go forward. You'd be like, what's wrong with this? If it can go in reverse, if it didn't go in reverse and you couldn't turn left and couldn't turn right. But why don't we take that same mentality into our stock trade and, and be prepared for every, at least the three scenarios that we know that the market can move. Love it. Love it. Keeping it easy. You know, unfortunately we can't do like the Flintstones did and just pick up the car and then shift over, you know, <laughs> drop it this way, then move out. But Hey, who knows? That's how it is in this market. And I think that's one of the major things that where traders get lost is that they don't understand trading with the trend and, and they, they get a lot of times they're being contrarian um, and they're trying to, do like trend trading strategies when the market's going sideways. And this just doesn't make sense because overall we want to have the right tool for the right job. And it feels like you understand that clearly. I think another thing that you stated that I think is always awesome is trying to stay to understanding what your abilities are. You know, one thing that I learned in my trading was that I wasn't going to be 70% accurate. Like it just wasn't going to happen as much as I wanted to be, you know, 90% accurate, 100% accurate. doesn't matter what I tried. I realized that very early on that that wasn't going to be it. Now, of course, what, what did I do to adjust there? Exactly what you said there. Going for a little bit more reward than my loss. Maybe a three to one, a four to one outlook. Those are the trades that I love because at the end of the day, I don't got to be 70% accurate to end up into the green. I don't got to worry about being accurate. This is where I think that a lot of traders run into that really that wall where they're just like they're always trying to be right versus just trying to get into good trades. Yep. And, and, and part of it is realizing that 
some days there are no good trades and sometimes it's hard to accept because you're just like i gotta try something i gotta buy something or it's moving it's taking off without me uh but sometimes you're just earning good trades and i think we have to accept that and the more we can accept that the more we accept that we only take the best trades the highest probability around support and resistance and I'm telling you, it makes a big difference, not only in your bank account, but your mindset, because you know why you took the trade and it makes it easier to cut the loss when it goes against you because you you, you paid attention to like, I only buy around support. And if it broke support and I was bullish, then I need to get out. And so it, it, it removes any of the cloudy judgment. I definitely think that's an important thing. And there's so many day traders that just can't take a no trade type of day. It just can't even do it. Like it's like it's almost like hurts them to be sitting in a chair and not take a trade. This is what I think that some traders even need to like maybe put themselves into that chair, telling themselves that they're not going to trade today, just so they can see some action and then be like, okay, I can just watch the action too, right? That doesn't need to be where I have this massive addiction to trading to where it actually hurts me because I'm like you saying not taking those high quality style trades. I think this happens often. Let's talk a little bit about the market. So what do you think about, you know, the way that the markets have been working right now? Um, uh, of course, we just recently had like a three, four day rally. Uh, you can tell me about what you think there. And then, of course, let me know if there's certain sector that you like trading more than others. So. Um, just looking at the market, we were due for an, an oversold bounce. I'm looking at my charts here and the 3600 level just on the S&P 500, uh, it just wants to hold. It doesn't want to break down. But on the flip side, though, we typically run right back up to where we're at right now, which is just above the 50 day moving average. And then you start to see the smackdown come. Uh, we start to resume the downtrend. And I believe that when you look at like Microsoft who reported and, and missed earnings, I think that's probably a sneak preview. And then what we're most likely going to see tomorrow from Apple and then you have Amazon as well going to report. I think, you know, if they both missed, look out below uh, from the tech stocks. And then if Amazon misses earnings, what does that mean about, you know, shopping going into the holiday season? Um, what does that mean for targets, the Walmarts and, and other retailers? So that could have an effect over into the consumer staple space. Uh, so, you know, we also got two more interest rate hikes that are coming as well. And so I don't think any of that sets up for a, a Christmas rally. I think we're finally starting to see what we've been expecting, which is winter companies going to start missing earnings. And now we're actually starting to see that. And then we're waiting for the next drop, which is when they're going to start laying off employees. And then once we get through that, um, when are we going to start lowering prices again? Because I think everyone's been raising prices just because they can and just hollering inflation. Um, but some stuff is not inflated. They're just raising prices because they can. But the consumers aren't going to keep in these inflated prices. They can't. They can't afford it. Um, from gas to food to, you know, I get an email from Apple. They, they love the company. But I have the Apple TV, $5. They said, hey, we're using it to like $7 or $7.98. Everyone's just going up prices for no reason. So I think the market is going to get squoze out of consumers left or willing to pay for stuff which means earnings multiples are going to come down. People are most likely going to get laid off. And then we'll finally see what the bottom looks like.
Well, thank you for joining me today, Jason Brown. I'd love to talk to you a lot longer, but it looks like it's 2.02. That means my time's up, but I appreciate you coming on. We talked about all different areas and especially talk about the markets. Now, where could everyone find you? So do you Uh have a Twitter handle that you can maybe share with us or maybe somewhere that we could find uh, where you do your trading? Yeah, we're everywhere at the Brown Report. So the brownreport.com on Instagram, I'm at Brown Report on YouTube. I'm the Brown Report as well. So everywhere, pretty much the Brown Report. All right, I'll go ahead and I'll share up that link with the chat here. You guys can go ahead and check out the brownreport.com. Appreciate you joining me today, Jason, and we'll definitely have you back on. And I got to bring awesome. you to my live trading show sometime. I know that you're probably doing some trading yourself, but maybe we can bring you in closer towards 11 a.m. where things kind of die down and we'll do a little review. Appreciate you coming on today, Jason. Thanks. Let's make it happen. Thank you. Have a good one. You never go broke taking those profits. That's for sure. Appreciate you. All right. That's going to do it for us today. I hope that you guys enjoyed today's show. Like always, that's what we're here for is trying to cover a lot of topics out in the market. We talked all these earning reports. We talked about Goldman Sachs, Bank of uh, Canada today. We got into all the earning stocks, Microsoft, Alphabet, Boeing, Chipotle, Kraft Heinz, Visa, and more. And of course, we had our experts on today. Josh Saylor, I want to say thank you, partner and co-founder of Blue Zone Wealth Advisors. And of course, Jason Brown. You guys just saw him, stock market coach and options trader from, of course, you guys can check it out. I threw up the link for you guys there, thebrownreport.com. And I'll also make sure that we have his Twitter and YouTube included in the description so you guys can go ahead and follow his channel. Hit the thumbs up on your way out. I'll see you a little bit later on at the close. Right now, we're going to take a little bit of a break, a pause. We'll be back at 3.30 with at the close where we look at all the intraday action. What stocks moved? Why did they move? Find out what Joel Alconan sees in this market. I'll see you a little bit later. Hit the thumbs up on your way out. And keep going right here, Stock Market Movers.